Step with me into the word maze. In every episode, I share a few words that caught my eye while reading. Then I'll tell you a bit about the three books I found those words in. And near the end of this word maze episode, I share some advice I've come across on writing fiction and sometimes non-fiction. You can find the web companion to this podcast over at wordmaze.cafe. And if we haven't met before, I'm Pilar Orti. Are you ready? Let's enter the word maze. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Word Maze. I'm Pilar Orti and, well, I'm on day 12th of NaNoWriMo, the month of November, during which writers of all sorts commit to writing 50,000 words. And I absolutely recommend it as the best crash course in writing. Of course, you need the time to make this work, but this month I am focusing on the novel. One, just because it has to get written. There might also be all sorts of psychological stuff in there about stuff I want to explore through characters, etc. But the main thing is that the story needs to get written. And NaNoWriMo is a good excuse to give it a really good push. I took part in 2014 and it was an amazing experience. So I, I know it works for me. Um. And just to say, so I'm recording this slightly earlier than the published date, so it won't be the 12th of November by the time you listen to it, even if you are unscheduled. So yeah, that aside, I'm listening to lots of podcasts at the moment about writing. So not about marketing or self-publishing, but about writing and mainly story. So I've already recommended here before the Story Grid podcast, so do check that out. And I'm also reading about writing a lot, mainly StoryGrid, which um, which actually StoryGrid is an editing tool, but I'm using it for inspiration to give me a clue about the kinds of scenes I need to write, and that sparks off some thoughts about plot, etc. Um, but as well as StoryGrid, I'm also reading shorter books like Nail Your Story by Monica Lionel, or the wonderfully titled Take Off Your Pants by Libby Hawker, which is all about not being a pantser, but taking the time to plan your outline. So I recommend those to nail your story, take off your pants. And for when you're a bit more into your story, I would recommend Story Grid. Uh, and yeah, this is... Um, this reading is all great because I'm coming across all the theory about the kind of scenes you need to develop to um, you need to develop the arc of the character or to move the plot along to keep the reader with you. And then I'm just going to Scrivener, which is where I write, and I try out that kind of stuff. Uh, I write bits of story inspired by that advice. So it's it's giving me a sense of how difficult or easy the advice is to follow. So that's an interesting exercise in itself. So in this episode, I won't bring in too much writing advice because as part of NaNoWriMo, I'm releasing regular episodes uh, in this feed where I share my insights and some of the advice I'm coming across. So feel free to have a listen to those. They're all called NaNoWriMo Day, whatever. And I suggest you start with day one. So anyway, you can do that through the Word Maze podcast uh, on Twitter. I'm at Pilar Orti and Word Maze podcast is the Twitter handle for here. Or you can go to wordmaze.cafe for all the show notes and information. But let's get on with the first part of Word Maze. 
Here we go. I'll open up the vocabulary builder on my Kindle Paperwhite and check out some words that, um, well, that I, that I came across that I didn't know the exact meaning of, even that I hadn't come across them before, or actually just that I thought this is a really great word. So let's start with alacrity, which means brisk and cheerful re- readiness. <laughs> and it comes from the Latin, I suppose it's pronounced alacer, which means brisk. And I find this meaning quite interesting because alacrity, that word alacrity, doesn't suggest anything fast or brisk to me. On the contrary, it really sounds like it's slowing us down or something that has a little bit of a negative connotation to it, alacrity. Maybe it sounds like alacran, which is a, a, a spider, um, sorry, a scorpion. I don't know if that's also the word in English. Um, it's in Spanish. So Let's see anyway, sorry, we're looking at alacrity. Let's see how it was used in today's first book. They do as Lily says with an alacrity that she finds almost painful. I really like that juxtaposition of alacrity, which means brisk and cheerful and painful. Nice, next one. Avuncular. Kind and friendly towards a younger or less experienced person. And in anthropology, related to the relationship between men and the children of their siblings. Children of their siblings. And this is worth mentioning um, also. It comes from the Latin avunculus, maternal uncle. I love how these words evolve. So let's hear it in context. He's avuncular now, playing the 20 or so years that he has on Simon. Ah, So kind and friendly towards a younger person. Next word, which I have picked, not because of its meaning, but because of its origin, which is quite interesting. The word is matelot, and it's the informal word for a sailor. It comes from the French and from Middle Dutch, matenote, which means bed companion. And it referred to sailors, so it's come to refer to sailors because sailors had to share hammocks in twos. And if it means bed companion, I just love it. So mate lot. And the sentence in which I found it is, don't hold your breath. It's a bit of a non-sentence out of context. He was as handy as a mate lot. There we go. So alacrity, avuncular and mate lot. And they come from the book Exposure by Helen Dunmore. And do make the note of the author if it sounds at all interesting, Helen Dunmore, because there are a few other books by that same name, Exposure, including one which I read not too long ago by the ex-CEO of Olympus. He tells how he uncovered a whole web of corruption. So that's an interesting one also, but that's not the one I'm talking about today. This one is set in the 60s during the Cold War, and it's what I would call a a light spine novel, where we're not quite sure who's covering up for whom and whether ordinary citizens are involved in something shady. So... I quite enjoyed it. Plenty of suspense and rich characters. Right, let's move on to the next set of words, starting with redolent, which sounds to me very much like rodent, so I'm curious to find out where it comes from. Redolent means strongly reminiscent or suggestive of. But in a literary sense, it can also mean strongly smelling of. And staying in the smell arena, it can also be more specific, meaning fragrant or sweet smelling. Like, for example, when you're talking about wine. And it comes from the Latin redolent. I don't, I don't speak Latin. Which means giving out a strong smell. And of course, it has the prefix re, which gives it a sense of it's happening more than once. I can already smell it. Whatever it is. 
<laughs> so nothing to do with rodents. Okay, let's see how it's used in this book. This time, Mom let out an answering breath, a gasp as redolent of despair as any words could have been. Love it. Next up, obverse. And there are a few meanings for this one, a very specific one, which is the side of a coin or medal bearing the head or principal design, and the more abstract one of the opposite or counterpart of a fact or truth. Let's see, take a guess which meaning is in our context. <laughs> uh, another obverse lesson was that loving somebody, even for a lifetime, did not exclude you from having strong feelings for somebody else. So we went for the more abstract one then, the opposite or counterpart of a fact or truth. Finally, for the third word, why is it this interesting? A word we've encountered in the first book of this episode. So I'll give you the sentence straight away. Patty took to motherhood with such alacrity, it was as if she had been a parent all along. Alacrity was brisk and cheerful. So these three words come from a completely different novel to exposure. It's called Hotel Alpha, and it's a book by Mark Watson, who's a British comedian and a writer. And his novels, I really enjoy them. I, um, I find them really warm and honest. And even though I can't hear Mark Watson's voice, I'm quite a fan of his. I can see that warmth and honesty is very much part of him as a definitely as a public persona. I don't know him personally. So I'm not surprised that that's something that uh, that attracts me to to the work. So yes, Alpha, sorry, I'm, I'm losing my uh, my place in the script. So Hotel Alpha has quite a collection of likable but flawed characters. And it's got a little bit of a mystery. Not necessarily a crime, just a mystery. It has a bit of a mystery going through. And as you might have guessed, well, it's set in a hotel. So we get to know the people who run it, including the owner and his blind son, as well as some of the guests. So Hotel Alpha. And now for the words from our non-fiction book. You thought I was going to say words from a sponsor, didn't you? <laughs> Let's start with this one, which I always think, yes, I know what it means, but can't quite say what specifically. Okay, here we go. Ecumenical, which means representing a number of different Christian churches and promoting or relating to unity among the world's Christian church churches, as in an ecumenical movement. And here's a context which might start to give a clue about where we're going with this book, what it's about. Hospital ministering is a special corner of ecumenical life. And the next word is peripatetic. Traveling from place to place, in particular working or based in various places for relatively short periods. And when talking about a teacher, working in one or more than one school or college. And it comes from, oh, this is lovely. It refers to the practice of walking to and from while teaching of Aristotle. I really like that. So here is the word in context. Victor P. is a 27-year-old Russian emigre, an on-and-off student, and peripatetic barfly. Again, maybe the word, uh, the, the sentence gives you a clue of where the book is set. Lastly, arcana, which is the plural of arcanum. I suppose it's arcanum, not arcanum. So when we talk about arcana, we refer to the secrets or mysteries, but it can also refer to the two different groups of tarot cards, 
the major arcana and the minor arcana. Interesting. Well, if any of you listeners know more about this last one, the reference to the tarot cards, um, feel free to send some insights through. You can get in touch via wordmaze.cafe. There's a contact form there. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> so here is how arcana is used in context in today's last book. This was a rare, rare thing. No one fully understands it, but I know it clinically when I see it or even hear it over the phone because I collect arcana. So arcana was secrets or mysteries. So you might have guessed that this book, this last book in today's episode is about some kind of medical topic. And yes, you're right. The book is called Reaching Down the Rabbit Hole, Extraordinary Journeys into the Human Brain by Alan Roper. And it's a collection of stories of people exhibiting rare behaviors and how they were treated for them. So the stories are fascinating. They're sometimes amusing but they are sometimes quite sad and emotional, so not to be read if you're feeling a little bit vulnerable. Right, well, let's recap the three books I'm recommending to you today. Exposure by Helen Dunmore, Hotel Alpha by Mark Watson, and Reaching Down the Rabbit Hole by Alan Roper. Now for the bit about writing. Well, as I said in the intro, I actually don't have much advice uh, and I don't have any advice from an established writer today, but I found something that I thought I might share with you and it's something I observed when reading the first book I talked about today, uh, Exposure by Helen Dunmore. So as I mentioned, there's a bit of intrigue in the book and the secrets that are being unraveled as the plot unfolds. Unraveled. <laughs> Shall I find a more cliched way of talking? <laughs> in the book, there is a scene where the mother and son are talking about the father. Uh, so they're, they're having this conversation and unbeknown to them, unbeknown and to the reader, actually, that's the important thing. The younger sister is listening. So when we're reading, we don't know that she's there. So the scene is first told from the brother's point of view, because he also doesn't know she's there. But near the end of the conversation, let me quote you from the book. So picture this. I think it was nighttime, really quiet. And we've just gone, we've just read or, or imagined as we're reading this scene between a mother and her father having quite a secretive conversation so that the daughter doesn't hear she's upstairs in bed about the father's past or the father's actions. Can't quite remember that. And then we read this. Neither of them hears the stifled noise that Sally makes from behind the door, which she has pushed open just a little bit so that she can hear better. And then you realize, she's probably gone, oh, or something like this, you realize she's been listening all along. And it just, I found that wonderful. It just widens suddenly, just everything just takes a different uh, dimension. So it's only at that point that the reader's, uh, realize that the young girl has heard the conversation. And then Helen Dunmore, she then tells the scene from the point of view of the girl, what she was doing when she heard that the other two were having a conversation and what she took from it. So I think this is a very interesting way of introducing a surprise. We didn't know she was there listening. And it's also a great way of showing two versions of a story. So that's my little bit of writing insight today. I don't know, for those scenes where one character is overhearing others, does the reader know they are there from the first moment? Or is there a different way in which the reader can discover 
that someone is overhearing something without others knowing. And and then I quite like how we got the story then from the point of view of another character, which is um, a great reminder that the same event can affect us all differently. Right, well, I hope you find that useful. Do let me know. Uh, That's it for this episode. But before I recap the words I talked about today, I'd like to thank you for listening to Words Maze. My name is Pilar Orti, and I would love, as I said, to hear from you. Have you got any words you've discovered lately? Any books you'd like to recommend? Have you come across an inspirational piece of advice on writing lately? Let me know and I can share it with everyone else listening. Pop over to wordmaze.cafe and look for the contact form there. Now, today's words were alacrity, avuncular, matelot, obverse, redolent, ecumenical, peripatetic, arcana. Do you remember their meaning? Stay curious, enjoy reading and keep writing. Keep writing.